Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Seventy years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent. I didn't think. All right, let's let's get right to it. Here we go, guys. It's time for the Bob Ryan, Jeff Goodman, Gary Tangway along for the ride podcast. And we are brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online. Where would we be without them? They are the number one source. For all your betting needs and sports info, latest odds, sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs. Of course, they get you covered with the conference finals, Major League Baseball fights, and even they're already doing it. Next year's NFL futures, which we know the NFL is a year-round sport now. Bet online. You can also bet your favorite Vegas casino games. Sign up today. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive 50% off and check it out. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, guys, we're going to talk about the two conference finals, also some top, subtopics in there. Uh, Bob, I'll start with you. Just this Celtic Heat series has just been so disappointing. It really has. I mean, can we have a competitive game? Well, from a neutral point of view, it is it is completely uh, strange. Obviously, if you don't have a rooting interest, it's I'm sure it's very difficult to get yourself – uh, you know, motivated to watch any more of what you're seeing. You're waiting for a real game. I mean, how about the last game? How about the fact there have been four lead changes in four games? Oh, now that that is that. So this is not the kind of competition that stirs us as any kind of sport fan, no matter what sport we're talking about. But in basketball specifically, the idea that a team gets a lead and it doesn't relinquish it for the whole game uh, four straight times without almost with, with minute exceptions is, is astonishing. I've, I can truthfully say I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if anyone ever has. So it's not that, but you know, it's still in the end, it's two, two, but it's two, two in a very strange way, particularly since the Celtics have dominated this thing all but two periods. And in those two periods, they were, they were a, a, a dumpster fire in those two periods. So, and, and they beat themselves as much as anything else with turnovers. And, and I, th- I think a very simple technical thing is when if they don't turn the ball over and put Miami in, tra- in transition opportunities and do everything else that they're doing, they, they, they shouldn't have any trouble with this team. But uh, that, that, that seems to be uh, a, a, yeah, a big if they have to stop doing it. Yeah, I mean, sense of urgency is everything. And Tatum talked about it after the last game. And I know it's human nature. I get it. It's human nature after a win, uh, maybe let up a little bit. But, you know, I keep going back to like, why? Why? <laughs> like, like to me, 
you, you got to take the fight to these guys. And, and that's what the Celtics did. Obviously a big difference. And, and I'm ready to finally say it. I've seen it at times, but I still don't completely buy into Robert Williams. But when he's on the court, he's such a difference maker in, in both respects, right? You go from Daniel Tice to Robert Williams defensively. It's like night and day. Um, and then I think the underrated part is Rob Williams offensively because he just gives you that safety valve, right? That like Tatum or whoever is driving to the basket. Well, what do you do if you're, if you're Bam out of bio? If you go to challenge Tatum, all he's got to do is throw it up around the rim and, and, and Big Rob's going to go get it and, and finish. So I, I think having Rob Williams changes everything for the Celtics. And, and I can't believe I'm saying it. I, I honestly can't believe I'm saying it, but he is so different. And again, we talk about it defensively. He was second team, I think, all defense this year. But I think offensively, it changes the game for, for guys like Tatum and, and Joe, especially Tatum. Uh, you know, with the, we, we've never, we had, other teams have had guys like this, but we, quote unquote, have not. And, you know, you, we, we, we had in, in a Pleistocene era, we had Bill Russell. That's a whole other story for another day. Then we had Robert Parrish, but who we got in the mid-career into his dotage. And though he could do some wonderful athletic things, particularly with the ball in his hands, he wasn't that type of player. He'll block a shot every now and then, but it wasn't his motivation. He was a runner. I felt yeah. like Robert Parrish was a runner. That's what but he was best at, was running and finishing. Rob Williams, vertical. Yes. Oh, no. I have no vivid recollection of Robert ever uh, concluding with an alley. Never. The game wasn't, that wasn't the game then either, by the way, the way it is now, even at a high school level. But other teams have had this kind of guy now. The Celtics have their own. And I, unlike you, have been on this bandwagon. And I have yeah. felt that that uh, the big thing with him and the, the very big variable, which is true up to the moment that we are speaking, is get him on the floor. And keeping him on the floor when he's been out there previously, we've seen glimpses now in this since mid-January 2022 up to the moment, we've seen more than glimpses. We've seen him affect games in a very big way. Sure. And, and I think in the series, I won't say they must must have him to win, but I, I, it's close to he's close to indispensable. And well, certainly if they get by, if they find a way to get by Miami uh, um, and and. The, ne- the next series against Golden State, and it will be Golden State, as we know. Uh, you want that guy on that. On the well, that was, that was going to be my next point, is if you do go against Golden State, and I think the Celtics should. If the Celtics do not beat Miami, I think it's – I'm not going to say that they choked or they blew it, but I think the Celtics should be able to, to win the best of three here. But they need Williams, Jeff, to, to beat Golden State. I think that's the only way they could beat Golden State. Yeah, because, again, I mean, what you can do on both ends of the court, like Golden State, Kevon Looney's been good, but he's he's not Robert Williams when he's on the court. So he, he gives you a different dimension that I think uh, even Steph, right, driving to the basket. You, you just – Rob Williams, he just makes up so much ground. There's – like Bob said, there's nobody uh, – there's nobody like him. You know, even without Marcus Smart, you would have thought, all right, the Celtics are in trouble. Well, you know what? Derek White played well. He played great out of the gates when it mattered, right? It mattered most that they got off to the start they did. And while Derek White couldn't buy a bucket, maybe after that first quarter, he made him when it counted. And then defensively, they, they were so good. It didn't matter really if Derek White made another shot. Jeff, I want to start with you with this question because you, you meet a lot of these players when they're younger on the AAU circuit. 
Are the blowouts a result of a player saying, just on our night tonight, we'll get him the next night? I don't think so. I mean, I think, again, Miami just – you look at him, and Jimmy Butler's not healthy right now. And Bam Adebayo did, wasn't looking at Daniel Tice that game. He was looking at Robert Williams. Completely different deal. Kyle Lowry is still coming back from basically a month layoff with a hamstring injury. You know, I, I think it's a combination of a little bit of everything there with Miami, right? They're, they're not great offensively to begin with. Then you don't have Tyler Hero to bring off the bench to go get buckets. They don't have a lot of guys that can just manufacture on their own. A lot of guys who can put on the floor and, and, and make plays. They need guys to do it like Max Struess needs, needs guys to do it for him. So I just think, again, to me, you know, I don't think Miami's the type that's going to give up on a game. I just think, you know, they dug themselves such a hole and they're banged up. And I know the Celtics are banged up too, but their key guys right now are pretty healthy. Although I know Tatum's, and this is something that really hasn't been out there, guys, but Tatum's been dealing with a, a left wrist injury for months, for mm-hmm. months. And uh, I know that's bothering him a little bit at times. Rob Williams is hurt. Marcus Smart's hurt. So it's kind of, we, we talked about this a month ago. It's a war of attrition mm-hmm. right now, kind of in the playoffs, right? Whoever's the healthiest. Well, right. Golden State's pretty healthy right now. They're healthy so, in the front line. They've, they're, their depth has been depleted. The, I, I was going on that, uh, in that path the other day, you know, I said, wait a minute, Otto Porter Jr.'s hurt. Iguodala hasn't played in a long time, so their depth is depleted. But their front line, their their key key players are all yes. back, absolutely, because they never had Robert Weissman. That's that's irrelevant. So right. they 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 are in that sense as, as healthy as they've been all year. Yeah. So if the Celtics don't win this series, Bob, is it a failure? The way it's evolved, I wouldn't have said that before it started. Now I've had an up close and personal look at Miami for four games. And and uh, and I had stated that they were the most quote unquote reliable team, and I would and and uh, I thought you know it would be a great achievement to beat them. Now I see the Celtics should beat them. I'll be disappointed. I will. I I'll stop short of what I'm sure some talk show you know people. I don't mean the hosts necessarily, but fans are going to say. Oh, yeah. know how the public's going to be. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to stop short of that. I'll be disappointed because I think they're clearly better to me, and they, they have more going for them. And if Tatum's going to. Continue, play the way he can play most of the time and only have occasional regressions, you know, uh, and, and then I think they should win. Yeah. But then again, the health, you know, Marcus, they, they made, can they keep doing it without him? They did it fine the other day without him uh, and the defense was fine. So the answer is I'll be disappointed, but I won't be, you know, vitriolic. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, I look at it a little different. I mean, I still think it's a toss-up series. You have two games left in in, in Miami at this point. You know, I, I don't know if disappointed is the word I would use if they if if they don't advance to the to the NBA finals. I still think you lose in seven in Miami if if that's what happens. It, it, again, to me, I still look at it as a hell of a year. Now, is it a wasted opportunity? Yes. I think that's what you would look at it a little bit more of like the opportunities there, not just to get to the finals, but Hey, there's no LeBron in his prime over there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no team that you're like, Oh my God, we can't beat golden state. You can, because while Steph is still playing at a high, high level and clay's back, Draymond's Draymond, they're all a little bit older 
and Wiggins has been good, but they're not like over, they don't have KD over there anymore. Right. right? right. They're just not as overpowering physically. And I think you put Tatum up there now and you say, Hey, if Tatum shows up every game, we feel like we might have the best player or somebody that can at least cancel out Steph Curry from a scoring perspective. And one other thing, uh, this group, uh, for some reason, has, has, has feels confidence against this team. It goes back up even a couple of years. They sure. have played well against Golden State, and they're not yeah. afraid of going out there either. And, no, on the road, they played well on the road against them. You're right. And one other thing is that that has been, I would say, documented. Golden State has lost a great deal of its previous home court advantage in the change of arenas. This place is not the same place of fear that it was in, in Oakland. Uh, th- th- oh, it's, it's, it's a wine and cheese crowd, apparently, that, uh, you know, maybe they'll get revved up for a finals. We'll see. But it isn't the house of horrors for people that, that the other place was. So to all things going, I, that's a good way to put it, Jeff. Uh, it is a great opportunity. And I think that's kind of what I'm thinking about when I say it's a disappointment. So yeah. but you, you've, you've extended the concept. And I think I would have to say, yeah, that's what I'm really saying. Yes. I want, I want to start with Bob on this with Tatum because of the amount of basketball that he's seen. When we take a look at revisionist history, we're extremely good at. <laughs> so where Tatum stinks out the joint the other night, I automatically think, well, that never happened to Larry. Well, Hondo never had a bad night. Well, Dr. J never had a bad night. You know, what's going on? I mean, if Jason Tatum, Bob, wants to be considered one of the greats, he can't have a night like that. How unfair of a comment is that? And did the greats also have stinkers? To the degree... Uh, it's everything's a matter of degrees, okay? That three for 14 essential no show game, I, I don't ever remember uh, Larry, John, or even Pierce. Uh, now I may be a little fuzzy on Pierce, particularly in the post 2000, my, my post retirement era when I'm not paying as close attention. So from 2012, you know, even after post 08, uh, but I don't remember him sticking up the joint to the extent that, that Tatum did that game. And one thing about Larry, Larry always found a way to help. If Larry were go, having a bad shooting night, he might get 15 rebounds or he might have 13 assists. Uh, you know, there, it was very seldom that, that there wasn't some contribution that he could make, even if he weren't shooting well. Um, so, but I don't remember. And John it was always helping you have a check uh, in some way, shape or form. But, you know, he, he had, everybody has off shooting nights. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that one stuck out. As, as much as any that uh, of the of the superior players that we're talking about that I ever remember, but I like the way he bounced back, and he is he's he's become a noted for bouncing back, and as a microcosm of the team so far, right? And they bounced back nicely, and he has bounced back. Uh, the, the next game, he looked, you know, as, as Jeff pointed out to me the other night, the full package, you know, the proper balance of taking it to the hoop and when to shoot the outside and and when to pass and the whole thing, which he has the capability of. of, of being a, a tremendous well-rounded offensive player, but you know, you have to calibrate that game and he calibrated it very well the other night. So I'm looking back, by the way, when, when you mentioned Pierce, I'm just looking back at some of his playoff performances and game six, first round against the Knicks in the 2013 playoffs. Um, Paul Pierce was four for 18 from the field, one for nine from, from three. Now he did have seven rebounds and five assists. So he did make an impact on the game, but everybody has him. Yeah, I mean, everybody does have them. And, and again, I think everything's magnified because of social media now too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, we're, and again, we expect so much more from Jason Tatum um, because again, you see what he can do on a given night. 
He can look like the best offensive player in the NBA. But I think, again, we said this, I think you could say that about 10 different guys in the NBA right now. Mm. You know, on one night, Luka looks like the best player in the NBA. On one night, John Morant looks like the best player. Giannis. Jokic. Jokic. I mean, you KD still does, right? Embiid. Another one. Embiid. I don't know if there is. Again, I'm not saying Jason Tatum is number one. I wouldn't put him at number one. But he's got the capability to look like and play like the best player in the NBA on a given night. Is it as often as some of those other guys? Has he done it as long? Hell no. But on his best night, you take him over probably anybody else offense. Maybe even over Russian. Oh, Jeff, on his best night with what we've seen, he's an MVP candidate. Correct. Listen, he just finished NBA all first team. That means people voted for him one of the top basically five or six players in the NBA. If you're that, and again, I don't think the number one guy is as clear cut now as it's been in years. Oh, it's not. It's up for grabs. It's completely up for grabs. No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Because it was LeBron. How many years, Bob, was <laughs> LeBron the clear-cut number one guy in the league? I mean, it feels like 10 years. Yeah, a minimum of 10. Right. 10 to 12 years. And before that, it was Jordan. Before that, it was Dr. J. And then you had Larry and Magic. So there's no question. So I don't know. Was Dr. J. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to push back on that one. I'm going to push back. I want to hear Bob's take on that. Was Dr. J the number one player in the NBA? At one point, I... There was yeah. a period of time, uh, Larry and Magic come in at 79. There was a, there was a, 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 a dead spot in that league from like 75, 6 on when Havlicek was the best player in the year 71, 2, 3, 4, et cetera. He was the best player non-center when centers mattered in the league. But then, Dr., then uh, Marcus Johnson was actually in that conversation wow. in the year in 76, wow, really? 7, 8, 9. Along with Dr. J. Well, plus, Dr. Well, J had, I think, Bob. And, and, I, and Larry and Magic and, and, right. and then came Michael and, you know, end of. But Dr. J was in that discussion yeah. in that period of time. I just didn't know. If I didn't, again, I wasn't questioning Gary. I just don't remember, you know, like, was he clear cut the number one? Were there other guys with Dr. J at that point? Was it like it, like it is today a little bit where you've got, I feel like, a debate every week who's the best player? Sure. I think, think, Bob, the way I remember it, and uh, I think Jeff was questioning my NBA acumen, but I'm older than him, so I do remember. Uh, No, I know what you're saying, though. I also think think the years that Bob's talking about, Jeff, those are kind of the down years for the NBA. They weren't great, you know. So, But I just – the whole package with Dr. J, the ABA, the red, white, and blue basketball, the hair, the posters – all that stuff kind of blended into when he came into the NBA. Yes. So yes. maybe even at that point in time, when the merger happened, it was reputation, you know, it, you know, because when he was with the Nets, he was, he was like, you know, jumping through the undeniable force. There's no doubt. And as I said, in that, that period of time, we're talking, the merger was 76, 77 until the onset of Mary, Larry and magic in 79, 80. So for a three year period there, there was no Jeff, there was no clear cut anybody. And I remember this discussion being taken place and believe it or not, I just told you a name that had to be included and may well have been the answer for a couple of years was Marcus Johnson. I know. That's, how That's crazy. I know. It's hard to believe in the context of what we've seen and what we are living in right now that that was the case. But that was the case with the exception of 
of Kareem himself. You know, he yeah. was still, and, yeah. and then and then for a year and a half, Walton before he got hurt and that whole career changed. Okay, now I want to go to the front office. I think we've touched on this a little bit, but I do think that when it comes to the meeting in general, I think Brad Stevens has kind of been a forgotten guy. I do think there's some credit that he deserves here uh, with the way he's brought some stability to the organization. Uh, am I overrating his impact, Bob Ryan? I have been on this bandwagon for about the last month and a half. When one night I looked out there and said, one, two, three, four, wait a minute. They're starting four of their own number ones. And that means they were drafted uh, about for, by Danny. Uh, that was Danny's guy. I mean, that's another discussion. But Brad Stevens, I think, uh, helped, uh, made, it was immeasurably important uh, at this trading deadline. And, and uh, that, the moves he made uh, to, to uh, expunge people and bring in the two people that he did were, uh, at the time were very important. I, I think, and these guys all developed under him. I did, it, it, so I, well, I who think hired the coach? That's my thing. Uh, that's the biggest move. Who hired There's the coach? There's the move. There's the move. Right. The coach. Forget I mean, about yeah. Derek White. Right. Forget about Al Horford. Now, they're big. Horford's was big because nobody knew he'd have this in the tank. But the biggest move Brad Stevens made was getting in a guy whose personality is different than his own. Bingo. That could hold him accountable. That could jump on publicly, privately. The the best move Brad Stevens made was he made Doka. Well, this is why this is why I think I want to give him his due because guys, you know the egos involved in coaching. This is a guy, Jeff, Brad Stevens, and Bob, who said, "I'm not good enough. I'm going to step aside." And maybe he had to. I don't know, right. but I'm going to step aside and I'm going to hire my replacement because I know there's a guy who can do a better job than me. That never happens. The that never no happens. Ego. Listen, with, with I've said this. I'll say Brad something I said it. at the time a hundred times. In my experience, and I'll just stop. Start with the actual fifty-two years of covering this league since nineteen sixty-nine. I have never, and I always say, be judicious with the use of the words always and never, never encountered a situation in which a rookie coach was praised so universally by the outside world upon his hiring. Not talking about what the inside world said. Oh, we got it. We hired a good guy. Now, the outside world was applauding this move universally. Uh, uh, his reputation in the business was so strongly and so positive. And uh, and then you know, by the middle of January, people were going, "Oh, yeah, what was that all about?" You know, and and you know, right? I mean, I I, I didn't want to go there myself, but I'm saying I know people were obviously they're going to yeah, say. Yeah, we that. didn't go there. We, you know, you and I were pretty good about saying like, it's too soon. It's yeah. too soon. He inherited some. Some issues, some some you know bad habits. Let's give them more time. But we we were ready to move the players. We weren't ready to move on the coach. No, that's it. We were, but we were we were both were ready to trade Brown out of town. It was Brown, obviously. It wasn't Jason. I, you know, okay. So no, you know. By the way, I I was conflating in my head. My original answer was about Danny. Danny isn't getting enough credit here. I want to make sure he gets it. And I'll get back to that topic I was talking about because it's a very interesting one people don't talk about. But he started, they start four of their own number ones on a normal occasion. They could start a fifth one, and they have in Grant Williams, okay? Right. But their normal starting lineup includes their own four number ones in Al Horford, okay? And then they have Grant Williams. Look around the league. I just challenge you. Go look at the other 31 teams. Tell me how many teams start four of their own number ones. The Celtics, by the way, <clears throat> 50 years ago, excuse me, during my uh, prime time covering the team, uh, actually started five at one point. And uh, and and uh, that, that that in the early seventies, very seldom does that happen. That that you hit your drafts that good 
for a good team. And you know, that they were a good team and this is a, a good team. But anyway. Well, well, Danny, listen, Kyrie, Danny's always going to be incorrectly, uh, I think, uh, or maybe disproportionately is a better word, uh, blamed or labeled with the Kyrie fiasco. And I think that that unfairly takes away from all of the great moves that in moves that he did make, like Bob's talking about. I want to go on to um, to Dallas right now. And we know we expect Golden State to win. Dallas survived, won, won a game. What, Jeff, just your thoughts on their team. Are they a likable team? Do you see, because we know what Golden State is. Do you see a good future for the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, yeah, only because they have Luka and, and Jalen Brunson, and they got to keep Jalen Brunson. Um, I, I love that backcourt. I was listening to Jalen last night after the game, and he was on with Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Smith. And I love I love that these Villanova guys because they show no personality when they're in college, and they're like robots. And then they get out, and you see their personality. And they asked him about his dad, and uh, and Jalen was joking, and he was like, don't even put me in a conversation with my dad. Like I'm, I'm much better. He was kidding around a little bit, but having some fun with it. But I, yeah, I love those two together as their future. They got to get more help from I mean, Mark Cuban's got to find a way to get more help for, for Luca. They don't have enough. I feel like what he's done and, and what they've done is, is remarkable this year to get this far. Uh, but I, I think they could be set up for, for failure, kind of like Atlanta last year, but I think Atlanta's got, far more talent overall they're deeper they're younger they got guys that you want to see how they grow I don't feel the same way about Dallas I I could see them next year being a team that bounces in the first round if they don't get some more talent around Luka you know I didn't see this coming at all for them I never would have projected that we'd be talking about them in as a as a final four team in on on in the end of May so that that's tribute to somebody we're going to get to that I think too but um yeah you're right and they, they have guys that they don't have anybody who, who is consistent Batman. Uh, Robin did a Batman. They don't have anybody who's consistent. Closest thing is Brunson. By the way, is he a, un, is he a UFA? Do you know? Is he unrestricted? Or is, I, I know he can't. I'll find because out. Because his name is being, my, I, I, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a member young, of Isn't he? Pardon me? Is he, I thought, isn't he too young to be unrestricted? I'm a, I'm a member of the fan club. Mm-hmm. And his name's being, the Knicks are making a goo-goo eyes at him from what I read in the New York papers. And I wonder if he's, a, you know, he's going to be available to people. He's, he's, he'll be coveted. He's unrestricted. Uh, is he unrestricted? He's unrestricted. Oh, he is right. He'll probably be yet overpaid. You know what he made this year? No. 1.8 million. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's going to This was his fourth year. That's crazy to me. It doesn't feel like he's been gone for. No, yeah. No. That does, that does. Right, well, he's, he's got his stock has risen dramatically oh. this year. The, like if you're the Knicks, if you're the New York Knicks, don't you just open the vault for? You need a point guard desperately. Derrick yes. Rose isn't getting any younger. If you're the Knicks, and he's a culture guy, that's the other thing about Jalen Brunson. Like he is, you know, similar to Fred VanVleet. Those two are very, very similar to me. And Derrick Rose in his in his heyday. With the, with the Lakers, Derek Fisher and his Laker heyday. Oh, right. Yeah, even better, better to me than Fisher. Okay, but I, I yeah, Fisher was very important to that team, and he, he was, but awesome. but but Fisher was never a number two. Like I oh. think Brunson can be a. Can he be a Robin? I, I don't. I think he can. I think you'd rather him be your like third offensive option. Yeah. Yes, but That's but but he he's shown he can be your number two on a team that gets to the final four, like you said. But the Knicks, you know, if they were the Knicks, they do have some people that 
could put him, you know, that slot hit. They could he slot in nicely. Yes, I think yes. what they do have to work with. Uh, anyway, but they don't have any. If, if he's still, he still isn't that level of player. And now they get they get guys that pop up now and then. Bullock made six threes in this game. Oh, congrats! Thank you. Dinwiddie had a thirty point game. Thank you. Finney yep. Smith had a big game earlier. Yep. Thank you. Stop me when they have one, two or three in a row. Right. 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 Any of them. Yeah. And, so uh, to wrap up this session here. Has Jason Kidd reinvented himself as a coach, Jeff Goodman? Yeah, I mean, obviously, because, again, you'd hear the stories of him when he was a coach early in his career, and players didn't love him, and it obviously didn't work out. And You know, Rick Carlisle and Luca, I think, ran its course, and and nobody was surprised. I mean, let's face it, um, Carlisle's still old school. No matter how much he said, he can adapt. Rick Carlisle, Bob knows this better. He isn't adapting all that much. So that didn't work. Now I think Jason Kidd did adapt and understand it's a player's league because frankly, he was a star player. So he gets it right. I mean, you gotta, you got to live with Lucas crying, you know, about officiating all the time and some of his, uh, you know, decision-making and probably even more of it off the floor. But yeah, I think Jason Kidd has completely reinvented himself. But again, this is a one-year thing. You've now built the expectations right. up. Can you live up to them? That That's always the fear of a run like this is if you don't do it next year, it becomes what happened? Why couldn't you get back? Well, it is hard to get back, especially with that roster that I think has some holes in it. And I think one of them is up front. They need somebody better up front. Dwight Powell, not, they, they, they need, again, they need another piece or two. They better keep again, try to keep Jalen Brunson. I would say that Memphis has a better chance of coming back to what we, you know, they, we think their potential is, for example, than them. And of course, Utah remains the, you know, great underachieving what if team out there. But anyway, um, I think they should be, their fans should be very happy and satisfied when it's all over. When when the inevitable comes, I I don't see them becoming the first NBA team to go back from 03. So uh, I'll give them credit. And, it, it was just a funky night, and all right, fine, give them credit. They they sent people home happy, and that's fine. Now we're going to go out, and the, the Warriors will get it done. I, I pretty much bet the ranch on it. All right, guys. Well, always a pleasure. Uh, at the time of this recording, we are hours away from the big Lincoln Sudbury lacrosse tilt against Hingham at 430 <laughs> yeah, with one on the road. Oh, that, that would be a mighty road triumph against the, the, our lax men, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a huge rivalry, huge, uh, huge rivalry. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week.